Hi, my name is Kate Stroud, and I'm delighted to share my flood story with you. Now that you've collected your gear, please walk towards Keene Street. When you get there, turn left and head towards Magellan Street. Place yourself in front of the Republic of Coffee. Across the road, you'll see Malamar Flats. Look up. This was the backdrop for my flood story. When I first became aware that there was going to be a flood, I was down at the business that I was setting up um, on Woodlark Street. And um, I started receiving text messages on my mobile with flood warnings. But being quite naive and, you know, I'm only, at that time I would have only been five years into living here without any major weather events. I honestly didn't really take the severity of it seriously. And then the water started to, to fill the street in front of us. And we kind of thought for a moment like, oh, okay, this is, this is serious. And we started um, lifting things up and getting things out. But at that end of town, it's, it's kind of, um, you're a bit removed from the CBD. So I felt quite isolated in those decision-making moments and didn't really know if I was doing the right thing or not. We stayed moving things up because the water kept rising and at Woodlark Street, um, the corner of Woodlark and Dawson is where the Browns Creek, opposite the Browns Creek car park. So that would have been the Thursday evening. It was the, the point of town that flooded first and we spent, I think I spent from probably about three in the afternoon to about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night lifting things up um, to the first level mezzanines. When I left um, that building, I was wading through chest height water with my valuables above my head. And I got maybe half a block up and I was out of the flood waters, which was kind of a strange feeling, and then walked across the block to my home, which at the time was on Magellan Street, which was unaffected by flood waters at that time, but I didn't know that it would ever come into that area as well. And I guess on that walk, you know, the town had been, I guess, evacuated and I didn't really realise. And to see all of the businesses along that stretch of my walk home, having everything lifted up a metre or so, was quite surreal and, you know, nobody was in town so it was a bit apocalyptic and, yeah, I kind of strolled home and... and again, didn't really understand the severity of what was to come. I w was living at um, Malamar Flats, which is a 1920s beautiful Art Deco apartment building where there are shops beneath the living quarters. And then on top of that, there is a flat rooftop terrace, which was our laundry and our... Um, I guess our outdoor area in the middle of a CBD. I came home and I washed I I washed the water off because it was already not it wasn't as bad as it got but it was still it was still a bit yucky and started to mix with like petrol and things like that having a petrol station next door to where we were. So I I washed I washed that off and I was actually alone in the apartment block 
The next door neighbours at the time had left to go stay with family. My housemate at the time is a practising lawyer and she had a workshop in Byron and it was something she couldn't miss so she she chose to stay out of Lismore for the evening to make sure that she could um, meet this workshop obligation. I was in this apartment in the middle of the deserted CBD which was a really peculiar situation to find myself in and I had moments of should I should I leave will I be that person that decides to stay and then needs to get rescued and you know puts unnecessary strain on emergency services when I had the opportunity to leave my instincts were to stay and I wanted to stay to bear witness and I just didn't want to leave my home. Like I didn't feel like if I felt like if I went to go stay with someone else, like you you feel displaced. And I I guess at that point I didn't really feel like there was a real threat to my life. So for me, the choice to stay was a, an easy one. Though I felt I needed to confirm that with a friend who has lived in Lismore for her entire life and has seen a lot of floods, and. I remember seeking her opinion and she said something along the lines of that old girl you're living in has seen all the floods that have ever happened and she's strong and sturdy and if worse comes to worse, you have a third story. So I decided to stay. It was a long night. It was a really long night and I was also consulting with another friend who lived in a similar kind of arrangement a few blocks over in another shopped up apartment style um, dwelling. It it was really nice to have his um, support because he viewed it in a not in a disrespectful way but in an exciting way like this is a this is um, one of those once in a lifetime hopefully, occurrences and bearing witness to it is a privilege. So coming at it from that angle was really assuring for me. And he also mentioned, like, if anything happens, I have a boat and I'll come and get you, which was also really nice. So so my bedroom in um, this beautiful 1920s apartment, at the time I had the front room, If you look up at the building, you can see the two big windows that open up into the street over an awning. And um, I like to have my windows open. At that time, I felt like I was flat mating with Lismore because I was pretty much on the street, though nestled up in my safety of my little cocoon. Generally, it's a really noisy spot. You know, you have the nighttime Lismore that comes out after dark you have street sweepers the bin or the bin route starts in the CBD and moves its way out so this was a really rare night that it was just dead quiet there was no movement which added to the eeriness and added to that like okay this is a um, significant event I was sleeping very lightly just to just because you can't rest when something like that is happening in a deep state. And I felt like I had 
only been dozing for a couple of hours at most. When I was jolted from my sleep by the siren signalling that the levee had topped. And in that moment, I, I did feel panic. And again, I was flooded with those feelings of like, oh, maybe I should have listened to emergency services and left. And there were emergency services outside with megaphones telling us we had to leave, which I, again, didn't listen to. So immediately after the siren had sounded and I was lying in my bed beneath the window out to, I guess, the reality of what was happening outside, I got a message from my friend with the boat saying, it's happening. And he could sense that I was unsettled and again offered some reassurance that, you know, if anything happened, he would come and get me, which was really reassuring at that time. We also discussed that it was going to, it was going to be a slow process. He suggested I, I got some sleep. So I went back to sleep and then I got another text message from him. It would have been about 7.30 and he said along the lines of, I know that you're really tired, but we've got to get out there and see this. And he came to collect me by foot and we walked down Magellan Street to Molesworth Street and then headed towards Woodlark. At that time, the water was racing down Woodlark Street quite rapidly and the whole of Woodlark Street was filling up with lots and lots of water. Now, if you like, please walk down Keene Street towards Woodlark Street. When you get there, look to your right towards the Lidsmore Square. The shop I was setting up was on the corner of Woodlark and Dawson Street, the lowest lying point of Lismore. Seeing the water race down Woodlark Street towards where I have been setting up a business at the time, I mean, when I left the previous night before, it was already chest height, but seeing all of that water race down, I guess I just accepted the fact that it was going to be swallowed and that the water was going to be high. And I, surrendering to being okay with that because you can't make the water go away. It's coming. Um, so later that afternoon... It, there was lots of people on the streets that were either had businesses or um, lived not too far away and were checking up on, on um, their place of business. So it was kind of a weirdly, a weirdly social time and I guess the community connections over, you know, disaster was already starting to form at that time. People getting around in um, canoes and kayaks and things like that. So I guess like there was, you know, like a, a Christmas Eve kids at Christmas kind of feel. It was like, okay, this is, uh, this is unusual and there is excitement around that. So yeah, it would have been, it was late that afternoon that the water had finally filled as much as it could on Woodlark Street, had started to come down Keene Street towards Magellan, but also the Rose Garden levee had topped and that was starting to 
fill Magellan. So we're getting, I was getting water from both ends of Magellan Street towards us. The way the water was just lapping and slowly rising, there was nothing um, violent about it at all. It was just very gentle and progressive. And I just watched it as it kept lapping and swallowing each step of my apartment. I guess the water did start to come up quite quickly then and in a matter of an hour or so it had come nearly three quarters up the stairwell which equated to probably a foot beneath the top of the door at the bottom of the stairwell. So at that point I couldn't, I mean I could swim through it if I wanted but you, it's not advised to do that. It's, it's um, you know, it's a pretty seedy mixture of things in the floodwaters. At first the flood water was clear and it, it didn't seem to be um, polluted or um, it just it just seemed like you know water that you'd find in a storm puddle. Um, but as the day drew on and the water um, I guess settled or and the, the water level settled, then the signs of contamination started to surface with the rainbow oil slicks on top so you you could see that there was oil and petrol and you could smell petrol in the air and the smell developed you could smell the sewerage had entered the water and it, it it smelt like an open septic tank so at that point it was pretty clear that you should avoid getting the water on you I guess at that point I was in this house still by myself and it's a strange thing when something like that happens because time stops. There's nothing to do. You are so distracted with what's going on, even though it's it's kind of a non-event in a way because it's so gradual and so... It's hard to describe. It's gradual, but it was a time warp. It stopped all time, but time went very quickly as well. Normal life didn't matter. It didn't. It wasn't relevant. It was later that afternoon when I was flooded in that my housemate appeared over the horizon in a canoe and she'd bought some supplies and she tied the canoe up and I helped her up from the canoe onto the awning This awning then became our new front step. And from up there, we were presented with a little Venice. You know, we we now lived in a waterfront apartment, so to speak. The Friday evening after being flooded in all day, we decided we couldn't sit still anymore. And my friend with his boat with his partner at the time, paddled over and we went on a evening tour of, of the Lismore CBD via water. So we travelled down to Molesworth Street. The water at this time wasn't rushing. It had topped the levee, but it was being held in by the levee. So it was, it was, it was lake-like. So we went to view the CBD from this new perspective to gather information for other people as well. One of the main things that stuck out for me at this time 
was that the background audio track was silence met with multiple sirens. Alarms for businesses were going off, car alarms were going off. So it was this really eerie still scene with a chorus of alarms raising. And as we travelled around town, we came across other travellers in their canoes. And a lot of the doors to businesses that have automatic doors, they were open. Must be a default. But then we came across looters and the people who were in canoes entering these businesses and just taking whatever they could. And I guess the feelings associated with that were like, I can feel it rising in my chest. It was just really like, how dare you use this opportunity for gain when like this is a complete state of destruction and you're taking from people who have already suffered. And I remember one of these looters actually threw me a can of alcohol as like a peacekeeping offer to try and... I guess, soothe what he could feel that we weren't happy what he was doing. We kind of voiced that we didn't agree, but it kind of also didn't feel okay to intervene. You know, I don't want to interact with that kind of human anyway. So whilst travelling in the canoes around the CBD, we were greeted by flood, I want to call them refugees, and they were bits and pieces that had been taken from buildings or businesses and were now just floating in the floodwaters. And there was a lot of alcohol that had escaped from one of the bottle shop's doors that had bursted. So there were six packs of cans floating in the waters and a lot of bladders of wine. And then there would be random objects. We were out for hours, lots of hours, and... We were physically and emotionally quite tired by that point, so we decided that we should probably go and get some rest. So my friend escorted us home and made sure that we got into our home via the awning safe, and then he paddled off a couple of blocks down to to his apartment. Saturday was a strangely peaceful day. I guess in those moments and these kind of experiences... You try and normalise things as much as you can. So my housemate and I made a pot of tea and we sat out on the awning just waiting, really waiting for anything to happen because nothing was happening. The water was trapped in at this point. I was receiving messages from shop owners on the same street asking for updates in real time just so they could, you know, have a realistic view of what was happening. My housemate and I were sitting, it was sun, the sun was out, drinking tea and there were random, well, there were people kayaking in the waters because to sit still is, is, is an odd thing. You feel like you should be doing something. Like how can I be helping or trying to make this 
progress or and a really beautiful moment was that a fellow business owner came around the corner in a kayak and we kind of waved to him from above and it was kind of like a very joyous moment of being surprised by this drop-in and he was going to go check on his business. But instead he decided to tie his um, kayak to the front of the awning with ours and he came up and we made him a cup of tea because he, as he said, there's, there's no rush to get there. And we kind of discussed how perspective shifting this experience was. It made you really question your urgency for things in life when something like this can bring your life to a complete standstill and everything you thought was important means nothing anymore because the waters have swallowed it all. Once you get to the corner of Woodlark and Keene Streets, you can walk down to 149. It's the old home of Dusty Attic. It's just opposite the service station. So Saturday afternoon, the waters had receded enough that we could exit our apartment via the front door steps. But there were parts of town that were still severely flooded. We walked the kayak to the water's edge on Molesworth Street because my housemate needed to get to her office to get some important documentation. So we had a wet bag with us and we went into her office to retrieve the documents and it was very apocalyptic. The emergency lights were on, nobody was around. We had to kind of walk through this deserted office to find these documents. And then after that, we were bound for um, the business that I was setting up. And the water was still at the second story of my business. So the awning of that building was still underwater. So we kayaked over. Well, as we approached the building, it was really overwhelming to see, well, to try and make sense of the landscape for one, because it's a view that we'd never seen it from before. So we approached the building and we were actually met by two other kayaks full of familiar faces who had just been to check on their business and had come had come down to see if we were okay. So there would have been about six or eight of us. We opened up the back window and the second kayak helped push us through. So we actually kayaked into the building all of the things that I had put up onto the second level mezzanines were floating because the water had risen to almost the third level. I climbed out of the canoe onto this mezzanine, which still had ankle deep water, up 
a ladder to the third story, which is where I had stored my precious belongings and retrieved them. I then put them in, when I got back into the canoe, into the waterproof bag with the important legal documents. <laughs> you know, we stayed in there for a little while because it was so mind-blowing. It's usually a really expansive space, but it, it made the space feel quite small. I could just see the furniture and all of my beautiful velvet couches floating atop the water and you know we had sound gear and tools and a beautiful velvet couch had dislodged from where I had placed it. You could also see the different levels that the water had been at and had resided which was quite significant from where it had been to where it was then but it was just dark and cavernous and surreal very surreal my default with tragedy or loss or sadness is humor so I was laughing a lot and making jokes about things there was an excitement and an adventure to to this experience because you know I was very aware that this is possibly a once-in-a-lifetime event and you know we were on this rescue mission to reclaim important things but also I guess to like be able to see it with our own eyes you can't sit around in things like this you feel like you need to be proactive and be out there and be seeing or helping in some way before I go on start making your way back up to the quad we left the building via Nesbitt Lane, which is the rear entrance, and we canoed up to Keene Street. The water was still quite high, um, which would have still been well over head height, second story level. As we moved more towards Magellan Street, past the Tattersalls Hotel, to where Magellan and Keene intersect, People were starting to return to town and were starting to try to access the buildings and their businesses to waste height water. So there was still a bit of a waiting game ahead, but at least they could get in there and see what was happening and start to remove things. Um, we returned home, but we, we didn't stay for long because it didn't feel right just to stay home. Most people were starting to come in Saturday afternoon as soon as their stores were accessible. And it didn't feel okay just to stay home. We were out across the road helping, say, at Republic of Coffee, getting things out of there and, and assisting where we could. And to be honest, it was kind of... I, I can liken it to a pacing. I couldn't get into my business yet until well into Sunday afternoon. So... It's one of those things where it's like, okay, now the work starts and we have to just help each other. So I didn't stay home much at all. It was more roll up your sleeves and, and get this done. Get the cleanup done. The business we were starting was Dusty Attic Music Lounge. When the flood hit, we were part way through the first renovation. 
which we then had to rebuild again because the floodwaters wrecked everything. Took tools, took furniture. We had to reline the walls, so the work we had done needed to be redone again. It delayed us for a year, at least. Because we weren't a um, operational business at the time of flood, this then disqualified us from any government grants because a condition of that was that you needed to be earning 50% of your income from the business. So we were alone, basically, in this. So a year and a half after the flood hit, we managed to open Dusty Attic Music Lounge and the business was severely disadvantaged because of this financial blow. How that affected the success or viability, I'll never know. But it upset and definitely affected, I guess, the place that it came from because this was now a huge part of the story and the beginnings and the foundations of what we were building it upon, but also contributed to the spirit of the business and the spirit of the community space that we were working so hard to create and build was birthed off this catastrophic disaster that kind of brought us all together. So coming from Perth in Western Australia, I've never been exposed to these kind of weather events before. And I had seen the 1974 flood signs, but I honestly hadn't paid them much attention and I hadn't really ever put myself in the place to think about what that would have been like. This event has made me really respect and understand the power of nature and you know, the feeling of this flood for me was that it felt like a, a environmental cleanse or a, or a little bit of a shove to be like, just remember your place. Remember that you aren't powerful. Remember that she will do what she wants. But on a community level, for me, the flood was very um, solidifying with people in the community who had perhaps been associates or people that you would say hello to, that you were friendly with. But this kind of um, experience or this collective, it's a collective trauma that we experience together um, and helping one another and showing up and checking in, it, it really kind of solidified those, those relationships and I guess it thrusted it into the next level of friendship, really. So this being the first flood that overtopped the levee, it's just a reminder that you can't be complacent and reliant on such infrastructure because if the flood wants to be bigger than that, it will. You know, I didn't have a flood plan. I didn't even think about floods. And I'm sure there's many people that are in the same boat. But interestingly enough, the ones who have been here for a long time and the ones who have experience and wisdom, which I don't think we really listen to, all bounced back really quickly. They all had their flood plans and they all were way less affected than others, in my opinion. You know, their shops were fitted out in a way that they could just clean it and get back in there. So I think for 
us less experienced, it's a bit of a reminder to to check in and listen to those who have done it before and to learn from their wisdom and not make mistakes that don't need to happen. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me through my flood story. If you would now like to return to the quad and take back your gumboots, your raincoat and your headset. Thanks again for joining me today.